I'm Nicole. And I'm Janine. And we're the ladies of Oh That's Deep, Black Women Conversations, the podcast. And we're here to tell you about our Valentine's Day fishing board party, which will take place on February 12th. Go to our website at ohthatsdeepbwc.com to register. And there you can find lots of recipes as well as where to purchase your wine because we will be sipping. I'm going to be sipping on the One Hope Pinot. What are you going to be sipping on? One Hope Rosé. Hope to see you there. Bye. Nino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well-researched and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal this quest to educate women birth this podcast pregnancy pearls with dr plenty thanks for listening to pregnancy pearls with me dr nicole plenty today i figured we should talk about what a lot of patients ask me about on a daily basis and that's whether they should proceed with a repeat c-section or attempt to have a v-back which is also known as a vaginal birth after cesarean section or c-section So usually for your first pregnancy, you're going to deliver vaginally unless um, something happens, right? So the baby's heart rate drops or you've been in labor for a prolonged period of time or you have an infection inside of your uterus. Um, Unless those things happen or bleeding, then you would have a vaginal delivery. If anything happened emergent like those things I just mentioned, then you would proceed with C-section. But then a lot of people wonder, hey, can I, do I always have to have C-sections if I've had one or can I have a vaginal delivery after it? For us medical professionals, those who have had a C-section before and want to have a vaginal delivery, we call that a TOLAC or a trial of labor after C-section. Once you successfully deliver vaginally after the C-section, then that's when we call that a VBAC, which is what I said before, a vaginal birth after C-section. Based on ACOG guidelines, women who have had one or two previous low-segment transverse C-sections, that means that you have a horizontal incision on your uterus, so on the inside, on the uterus, not just that bikini cut on the skin. If you've had that, you can have a TOLAC or a trial of labor after C-section. Previously, it used to be that patients could have a TOLAC after one but not two. Well, this was updated while I was in training, and despite the update, some OBGYNs will not do TOLACs or a trial labor after C-section after two C-sections, and some won't do them even after one. So why is it such a big deal? After one C-section, the risk of uterine rupture, or when that previous incision on the inside of the uterus comes open, is about 0.9%. That means that a little less than 1% of the time, A previous C-section incision on the uterus could come open with the baby still inside. That puts you at high risk for the baby being in the abdomen and the uterus could, um, uh, and the placenta could detach from the uterus, which could cause you to have a ton of bleeding. It's life-threatening for the baby and it's life-threatening for you if you lose too much blood. It would also mean that you need an emergency section to get the baby out. You would need the repair of your uterus or you could even lose your uterus. So that's why it's sort of kind of a big deal. The risk, like I said before, is it's less than 1%. It's sort of low. But if it happens to you, it can be a big deal. 
After two C-sections, that risk doubles to about 1.8%. So if you have a trial labor after C-section or a TOLAC, an OBGYN with experience in doing stat C-sections has to be available in the hospital at all times with you on continuous fetal mo uh, monitoring. Well, if your OBGYN takes call from home, they won't allow you to have a TOLAC. Okay? Some physicians will allow you to have a TOLAC only if you present an active labor, meaning you're already starting to dilate and you have normal contractions. Again, some may ask why. Well, it's because certain medicines we usually use to induce your labor are strong. They have to be, right? They're trying to actually get the cervix that's super close open to have a baby. These strong medicines like Cytotec or other prostaglandins have been associated with a higher risk of uterine rupture or when that previous incision comes open. And so they can't be used anymore. Therefore, your physicians are only able to use a very limited amount of these drugs. And most so often, they can only use what's called Pitocin, which is a medicine that acts like the hormones in your body to cause contractions or a cervical ripening balloon, which basically causes gradual mechanical dilation of the cervix. So there's a higher rate of failure if you come in not in active labor just because your OBGYN is limited in the medicines that they can use. Due to the risk of uterine rupture, you won't be able to do a few things if you have a TOLAC and you're being induced. Um, you won't be able to labor in a tub. You won't be able to have a water birth. You won't be able to have a walking epidural. You, you won't be able to have infrequent monitoring, meaning they just put heart tones on the baby every 30 minutes. And you won't be able to eat while you're in labor. That's because there's a higher rate of uterine rupture and need for a stat C-section. So no one's going to take that risk of you increasing your risk of not having that uterine rupture be recognized because you're not getting monitored frequently or you're walking around the unit or a risk of aspiration because you're eating and then you need a stat C-section. So you are very limited when you decide to have a vaginal birth after C-section. Because of all the precautions your OBGYN must take for a trial of labor after C-section, some just don't want to take the risk, and so they won't offer it to you. Why do some women, women want to try for a VBAC anyway? As someone who has had a C-section before, I know exactly why. They want to avoid the postpartum issues. Yes, C-section, it, it, it actually sucks. It does. Typically, the first day is painful. Um, if you have not had what's called a, a TAPS block. The first few hours, you're under anesthesia, you don't feel anything, and then once that wears out, you feel pain. But the next day, when you start to move around a bit more, then you may be miserable if you're not someone that doesn't stay on top of your pain medicine. I find that patients who try to avoid taking pain medicines actually end up requiring more pain medicine. Why again? Because you wait until your pain is excruciating and then we need to give you several different agents to get your pain under control. It's much more effective if your pain is a four or a five to go ahead and take pain medicine than to wait until your pain is a 10. Because if you've had surgery before, it's not like you can wait the pain off and all of a sudden you're just not going to have pain anymore. No, it's going to get worse, especially if you're in the first couple of days of having a C-section. So I know that's a side note 
And it is, if you get a C-section, stay on top of your pain medicine so that you will not have to end up getting multiple doses of pain medicine or even convert to IV pain medicine to get your pain under control. But like I said before, people that try to avoid taking the pain medicine, those are the people that need the big gun pain medicines like IV medicines to get their pain under control later. If you happen to have a repeat C-section, which is not bad, and we'll go into that in a second, ask your anesthesiologist about a TAPS block. Some anesthesiologists will ask you about it first. It's an injection of local anesthesia between the internal oblique muscles and the transverse abdominus muscles. You don't have to remember those landmarks, but just know that there are injections around your incision. It's a godsend because if you have it, you're pretty good for probably about 48 hours. Um, that can allow you to move around and get used to your post-op body um, without experiencing excruciating pain. It's pretty safe. It's not systemically absorbed. You can have that and breastfeed um, and not have to worry about any issues with it. Um, so some of my patients that have chronic pain um, and that can't take uh, medicines because they have a history of opioid abuse, I usually recommend that for them for pain control. But I usually re I do recommend it for everybody else if you have a C-section because I've seen the difference um, that my patients have been more comfortable. And like I said before, that'll usually give you a few days more of comfort. A C-section is a major surgery. So there's risk and benefits to both having a trial labor after C-section and a repeat C-section. Even with the task block, if you have a C-section, you're not going to feel like yourself for probably about one to two weeks. So you're going to need help with the C-section. That's why a lot of women do want to have a vaginal birth after C-section or at least attempt to have one so that they can be more active after delivery. Let's talk about the pros of having a C-section. So if you're trying to decide between, hey, do I try to have a VBAC or what we call a TOLAC or trial labor after C-section, or do I just go straight to a repeat C-section? So the pros of that, it, you know exactly when your baby's going to be born. Okay, if your C-section is scheduled for 8 a.m., you're going to have to arrive somewhere between 6 and 7. If your C-section rolls at 8, you're going to have a baby at 8.05. That's just what it is. You know exactly when your baby is going to be born. You don't have to labor. So most people, if you're going to labor, you're going to be in labor for 24 to 48 hours. Well, you don't have to do that if you've had a C-section. So that is one plus. You don't have to push. And so people that push can have a lot of things happen. You can have a tear, you know, meaning tearing your vagina. Sometimes those tears are very deep. They have to be repaired. You have to take care of those tears in the vagina afterwards. Sometimes those tears can cause you to have, you know, pain with the, with urination. Sometimes that can cause you to have fistula or, or issues with bowel movements later on. That is one uh, pro to having a C-section. And of course, like I said before, you can schedule it. So if you say, hey, I want to have a C-section, uh, my, my doctor is planning to do my repeat C-section at 39 weeks, which is the typical time unless you've had another type of C-section like the up and down incision on your uterus called a classical C-section, then you're delivering somewhere around 36 to 37 weeks and you don't even have a choice. You cannot have a vaginal birth after C-section with a classical C-section because the risk of uterine rupture is 10% after one classical C-section. So this conversation is obviously not for you. You have to have a repeat C-section. But if you're choosing between the two, you can schedule it. Therefore, you can 
have your family plan their schedule. Your husband can take time off work to be there. You're not waking up at two in the morning in labor and rushing to the hospital. And you can deliver during the day, which then avoids, you know, the chaos of a midnight delivery or a 2 a.m. delivery. And it also avoids the risk of having a uterine rupture. Now, the cons to having a repeat C-section, pain from recovery, of course, is a major surgery, so you can have injury to your uterus itself. You can have injuries to nerves or vessels surrounding the uterus. And then you have to take care of the incision after delivery, right? So you have to keep it clean and dry. You have to um, make sure that you're not putting too much pressure. So in the first couple of days, you need help around the house. Um, you need to make sure your pain is under control. So you're going to take pain medicine schedule usually about the first seven days. And some people, because they've had a C-section, the endocrine system isn't triggered. So you're going to have less of a initial milk production. Although once you start pumping and allowing the baby to latch reg regularly, you should have the same milk production long-term as somebody that's had a vaginal delivery. And then there's also a slightly higher NICU admission rate for people to have C-sections. And that's usually for people that are right at 37 weeks if you're having a term delivery. Um, 37 weeks and up is full term. Um, those 37-weekers have a higher risk of NICU admission because, again, going through the birth canal causes stress. That stress is going to induce the production of what's called surfactant. That's a protein that's going to keep the lungs from collapsing. Without that stress of going through the birth canal, some babies are, are going to have a delay in making surfactant. And so they may have issues with breathing. Those are usually, like I said, those babies that are right at 37 weeks or before, they may have to go to the NICU so that they can get surfactant um, to help with breathing. That risk is still low. And there's no long-term difference um, when we compare gestational age of the baby, um, of those with a C-section versus those with a vaginal delivery. There's no long-term difference between outcomes in those groups. Now that you know a little bit about VBACs and C-sections, now let's go over to some cases to see who would be a good candidate for a VBAC or a vaginal birth after C-section and who definitely needs a repeat C-section. So let's go to our medical intern. Our first case is a 36-year-old who is 30 weeks pregnant with her fifth child. Her first child was delivered vaginally. Then she had three C-sections. Her second child was delivered via C-section because he was in a breech presentation. The third child was a scheduled repeat C-section. With her fourth child, she attempted a TOLAC, but the baby's heart rate dropped and she had to have an emergency C-section. She had a rough recovery from her last C-section and really does not want another one. She requested a TOLAC, but her OBGYN refuses. She presents for a second opinion. She has no medical problems and wants to know if you or any of your partners allow, would allow her to do a TOLAC. Okay, the short answer, unfortunately, is no. No, you cannot do a TOLAC. Um, and I say that because after the the first, we know that your pelvis is proven, right? So you've had a vaginal delivery before, which is a good. So if you had one C-section, you would be a great candidate to have a VBAC after that because we know that your pelvis can accommodate um, a baby. But, um, but now that you've had three total C-sections, no, your risk of uterine rupture is much higher. So you, no one legally will allow you to have a vaginal delivery. No one. 
no OBGYN, no midwife, no nurse practitioner, nobody will. Okay. Because medical legally, it's a nightmare because you are at much higher risk of having that incision come open. And if that incision comes open, then that's a big deal. Like I said before, you can lose blood, you can lose your baby, you can lose your life. So it's much safer to have a repeat C-section. And realistically, after three, it's the only choice. You have to have a repeat C-section. And I know that this listener, this patient is probably like, oh my God, I don't want another C-section. But think about why you're doing this, right? You are a mom and you are going to have a healthy baby. Um, and that's really all that matters. And so a lot of patients really hark on, I want to have a natural delivery. I don't want to have a C-section because I had a bad experience last time. Last time you had a stat C-section. This doesn't have to be a stat C-section. This can be very planned. You can, you know, play music in the operating room. Your anesthesiologist can take pictures when the baby's out. You can hold your baby while, um, while you're in the C-section. And you can also have a TAPS block so that you don't have as much pain. So talk to your OBGYN about your experience and what your fears really are so that your provider can decrease you having a bad experience with this C-section because not all C-sections are awful, okay? Post-op, yes, I understand you remember that. It is going to be one to two weeks afterwards that you're going to need help. But at the end of the day, isn't it, it's all worth it. When I look at my son after my C-section, it was worth it. The pain that I had to go through was temporary. It only lasted about a week and it was very well controlled with Motrin 800. So it doesn't have to be a horrible experience. Talk to your OB about making sure your experience is optimized so that you can have the best experience possible. But it's just not safe for you to have a trial of labor, not after having three C-sections. My case pearl is after three C-sections, it is dangerous to try a TOLAC. A repeat C-section is the only mode of delivery that's recommended. What's our second case? Our second case is a 24-year-old who is 26 weeks pregnant with her second child. She had her first child at 21 and she delivered full term via C-section because of bleeding. She now wants to deliver this child vaginally, but her OBGYN said she had to get a C-section. She has no other medical problems and doesn't understand why she can't deliver vaginally. She presents asking if she can transfer her care to be able to deliver vaginally. She's 26 weeks, so she has plenty of time to transfer her care. Most OBGYNs won't accept um, new patients after about the 26th week, excuse me, after about the 32nd week, they will not accept a transfer of care. So since she's 26 weeks, you have plenty of time if you want to find another OBGYN if you are really um, set on having a vaginal delivery. Based on the case, the only reason I could see that the OB did not want to allow her to do a vaginal delivery is because she probably doesn't have a team that does inpatient deliveries. So like I said before, if you have a trial of labor after C-sections because you're trying to have a VBAC, um, your OBGYN or one of their partners has to be in the hospital at all times. And if they're not, if they're taking call from home, medical legally, they cannot 
allow you to have a vaginal birth after C-section. Okay. So what your OB should have said is, hey, you can have this, but I'm not the person that will be delivering you. I would have to transfer you somewhere else. And so um, I would definitely recommend that if you want to have a vaginal delivery, talk to your OB and ask, is there a reason I can't have a vaginal delivery? Or is it just that your team doesn't do vaginal deliveries? And if it's the latter, then ask her if she would mind referring you somewhere else to um, have your care because you have a right to have a vaginal delivery if you want one. And if there's no other reason that your OB can provide you, then yes, you did the right thing. Um, you can transfer your care so that you can attempt to have a vaginal delivery because after one, you can have a trial of labor. After two, there's a lot of OBGYNs that don't believe in the most recent updates that allow you to have a trial of labor. So you would have to really hunt to find somebody um, that will allow you to have a vaginal birth after C-section, but they, they will. There are people that will. Um, once you've had, um, once you get to your third pregnancy though, um, you know, this is the time of making or breaking it. So, because after, once you get three, nobody will let you have one. Right now, you've only had one. So if you wanna have a vaginal delivery, it's a point of no return. Go ahead, transfer care, have a vaginal delivery um, because you seem like an optimal candidate. The case pearl is a TOLAC or trial labor after C-section. After one C-section is safe, but you must make sure your provider is comfortable doing them. If they aren't, you did right, you should transfer. Medical intern, do we have any email cases? We do. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I've had multiple abdominal surgeries due to Crohn's disease. I'm now pregnant with my first child. My GI doctor mentioned that I will likely need a C-section due to my previous colostomy reversal, but I don't understand why. I've never had a vaginal or anal fistula or abscess and have been flare-free for over two years now. Could I possibly be a candidate for vaginal delivery or do all patients with a history of colostomy have to deliver via C-section? You know, that is so a misconception. So um, hopefully you um, will be monitored by somebody like a maternal fetal medicine specialist that can basically make a plan for your delivery once you are ready to have your baby, right? So I'm not sure how far along this patient is um, because I believe you said she's pregnant with her first child, but I don't remember a gestational age. But hopefully you will have a team of doctors that can decide what's safest. No, having a colostomy does not necessarily mean that you definitely have to have a C-section. On the contrary, most OBGYNs with people that have had a whole bunch of surgeries that have not had uterine surgeries, so meaning you've never had a C-section, you've never had a previous myomectomy, but you've had other types of surgeries, most OBGYNs want you to deliver vaginally. We don't want to have to go on the abdomen. Why? Because there's probably a lot of scar tissue there. There could even be scar tissue around the uterus. And why would we bother that if we can just have a baby vaginally and not have to touch your colostomy repair and not have to touch adhesions and not have to put you through another surgery? So that is not true. Some doctors and other professions don't understand um, how C-sections and deliveries work, right? If your uterus isn't the problem, 
If your pelvis isn't the problem, that does not mean that you need a surgery. We It actually means that we really don't want you to have a surgery. We can avoid that and have you deliver vaginally and push more power. We want you to do that. We don't want to cause complications if we don't have to. Now, if you do end up needing a C-section, like the baby's heart rate drops or um, you're having complications of bleeding, then you will probably need a general surgeon in the in the OR with us because we will want to make sure if you have a lot of scar tissue that we haven't caused any damage to your colostomy repair and that we haven't, you know, because if it's a stat C-section, we got to get in fast. So we want somebody there that can run the bowel and make sure everything's okay. So we will likely have to call in um, a general surgeon. Sometimes, sometimes we're surprised when we get in there, we're like, oh, there's no scar tissue around the uterus. We can just close. But if there is, then your OBGYN will likely consult um, a, a surgeon, a general surgeon, to go in and look at the bowel, look at your colostomy site just to make sure that there's nothing else going on. Another thing is, if you deliver vaginally because you have Crohn's disease, you could have a flare. Like the stress of labor and delivery, surgery or not, could throw you into a flare. And if you end up having a flare, and we know you have Crohn's disease, you are likely, if you have a tear there, to develop a fistula. So it would need very careful attention to repair if you end up having a laceration um, and deliver vaginally. And we would need to make sure that we're giving you medicines to modulate your immune system so that the stress of labor doesn't cause you to go into a flare. Also, if you're somebody that has been on steroids, you're going to need steroids at the time of delivery. And it sounds like you're not that person because you haven't had a flare in two years. So I don't anticipate that you would be on medicines that would suppress your immune system. But if you are, those are reasons that you would need steroids at the time of delivery. I hope that that helps. I believe that's all the questions for the day. Medical intern, is that right? That's correct. Thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. Go ahead and share the podcast and this episode with your friends and family who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or who want or need women's health tips. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick tips about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a Mean Old Lion Media production.